As we continue in this series, uh, 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 you know, the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to talk about the life that God rewards. How many of you are interested in that? The life that God rewards. The Bible says that God is a rewarder and loves to reward his children. How many of you believe that? God is a rewarder and he loves to reward his children. Just like natural parents, they like to reward their children whenever they find them doing something good, whenever they, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to reward, right? And so Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the fact that God rewards is a reality, is a fact that we need to embrace, that we need to receive, because some of us got a wrong concept of who God is. You know, somewhere in in comments that were made by authorities over us in years past, we got this this impression that God is a mean God just waiting to smash somebody like a bug. But God is a rewarder, isn't he? And we, we must believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You know, in Genesis 15, God revealed himself to Abraham as a God who rewards. And this is what he said. Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, don't be afraid, afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That's, isn't that great? An exceedingly, God revealed himself to Abraham as, as a God who exceedingly rewards his children. How many of you believe that today? Yes, he does. God is a rewarder, but whose life does God reward? Whose life does God reward? Does, how does God decide who to reward? Does he, does he like, uh, like, does he pick a name out of a hat? Does he, you know, does he throw, uh, you know, does he use a, a coin, flip a coin? Who does God reward? Does he reward everybody? Does he reward everybody? Does he randomly pick names and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them? Is there a criteria that God uses when he thinks about rewarding his children? Well, the Bible says in, in uh, 2 John 8, watch yourselves that you don't lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. And so 1 John says, watch yourselves that you don't lose what you've already God, that you've already accomplished through your spiritual labor. How many of you know we can lose what we've labored for? Y'all with me? And so then he says, watch yourselves that you might receive a full reward. So there must be the possibility of receiving a partial reward or no reward because he talks about receiving the full reward. Now, I like the fact, I like the ring of a full reward. How about you? I like the ring of that. So there must be the possibility of receiving a partial and or no reward. And so we've got to, you know, so whose life does God fully reward? Well, notice what John says there in that verse. He says, watch yourselves. And it means to take heed, examine, pay careful attention to yourselves. So apparently our behavior, how we live, can affect the amount of reward we receive from the Lord. Now, listen, I'm not saying that salvation is by works. You get to heaven one way. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with your works. However, God rewards those who walk after him and pursue him. Isn't that right? So as well as, uh, you know, so he says, watch yourself so you get that full reward. Do you know that God loves everybody? How many of you know that? He loves everybody unconditionally. How many of you know that? He loves everybody the same, but he doesn't reward everybody the same. You know, did you know that God's love is unconditional, but his rewards are conditional? Come on, did you know that? 
In fact, let's start right there with salvation. How do you get salvation? You get saved. You give your life to Christ. The reward of salvation is you get to go to heaven. Amen. Are y'all with me? Conditional meaning requirements that have to be met before the rewards are given. That's why I struggle with people that, that camp out on this once saved, always saved thing like all I got to do is pray this prayer and I don't have to worry about how I live. Well, I'm not so concerned about whether, you know, I, you know, once saved, always saved. I'm concerned about getting the full reward. I don't want to just walk on the side of, of salvation where I barely make it in and then whoo, by the skin of my teeth. Come on. I want the full reward. How about you? Forget about walking on the corner of salvation. Amen. Come on, let's jump in salvation. Come on, are y'all with me? Are y'all hearing me out here? Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Amen. Is that what your Bible says? Listen what Psalm 19.9 says. The reverent fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, reminded, illuminated, and instructed. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Verse 11b says, and in keeping them, there is great reward. In keeping what is their great reward? Well, verse 9 tells us in keeping the ordinances of salvation, the ordinances of the law of God, the ordinances of the word of God, there is great reward. The ordinances of God are the instructions of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Amen. And so when we keep, observe and follow his laws and instructions, there will be great reward. Amen. Hallelujah. The life God rewards are the people that observe, practice, and obey God's laws and instructions. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord gives us three instructions, three spiritual disciplines that if observed, practiced, and obeyed, is guaranteed to release God's reward in your life. The word reward is used in all three of these instructions that he gives us. And so today we're going to look at the three spiritual disciplines that the Lord promises to reward us for. And the first one is this. The Lord rewards those who develop the discipline of giving. We have a choice. We can be a taker or we can be a giver. But God rewards the giver. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 1, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all of their reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will rewards you. Is that what your Bible says? Is that how your translation reads it? If it doesn't, you need to get a new one. Amen. Because the Lord made careful attention to make sure that we know that if we give that to people in need, that he will reward us. The Lord rewards those who give to people in need. And that's what verse three says. When you give to someone in need, 
Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. And so when you give to someone in need, the Bible says that your father will reward you. That's pretty simple, isn't it? So you mean if I give some help to somebody in need that the Lord is going to reward me? That's what the Bible says. That's what that's what the scripture says, that the Lord will reward you when you give to the needy. It gets the Lord's attention. It gets his attention. Cornelius got the Lord's attention. The Bible says in Acts 10 2 that uh, Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. And he gave generously to the poor and he prayed regularly to God. Verse 31. And the Lord spoke to him and he told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. How many of you know if God notices that you do something, it must be close to his heart. Amen. And so I noticed, he says, how many of you know it's a good thing to get the Lord's attention? Amen. When you help the needy, it's like getting in partnership with the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, 17, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. Now to lend to the Lord, it was interesting. I looked up the uh, Hebrew definition of lending to the Lord and it means to be joined to, to attach, to be bound to. Now, you know, it's kind of like different than lending to the Lord. It's like, here you go, Lord, I'll give you a couple of bucks, you know, to help you out. But no, it's the, when you look at the definition, it means to be joined to, to be attached to, to be down, to be bound to. So, you know, when you look at it, when you're kind and give to the poor, you get joined to, attached to, and bound to the Lord. How about that? Now, how many of you know when you give to the poor and you get joined to and attached to the Lord, you get into a partnership with the Lord in the ministry partnership? How many of you would like to have the Lord as your business partner, as your financial partner? Amen. And he says, if you lend to the Lord, if you give to the poor, you give to the needy, you lend to the Lord. Wow. An investment ministry partnership that promises a reward. And he says, and he will reward you for what you have done. This is good, isn't it? How many of you know that giving is like planting seeds? The more you plant, the greater the reward. Y'all believe that? Does that sound biblical? Second Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And he's talking about crops and seeds, and he's talking about giving. And I see like Mitch here, and he, you know, he raises cattle. You know, a lot of us here know about agriculture. And you know, you know, this is a reality. You got to go out there and make you a row and you plant a row. Don't expect to get a feel of crop. You planted a row, expect to get a row of crop, right? If you plant a field, you don't expect a row of crop. You expect a field of crop, right? Why? Because you planted some seed, right? Now, a third of the nation right now is having crop failure because of drought. Did I hear that right last night? A third of the nation is in drought? Man, who's the Lord of the rain? Who's the Lord of the heavens? Well, let me, get, let me not get off track here. Giving is like planting seeds. The more you plant, the greater the reward. You know, I found out that, you know, I planted a couple of tomato plants, you know, behind our house. And, and you know, and so we got a couple of tomatoes. 
But, you know, man, it didn't take long to eat them couple of tomatoes, you know. <laughs> so I'd be looking at everybody else's tomatoes, you know. Don't you have too many tomatoes there, Brother Francis? Why don't you give me a sum, you know. And so I figured out, man, if I wanted more tomatoes, I needed to plant more tomato seeds, more tomato plants. And I found out it works. I planted more tomato plants, and I had more than enough. I could give some away. Amen. That was, I had an overflow. But listen, it had everything to do with the seeds that were planted. But how many of you know if you're going to give, we must give with the right heart and the right motive? It's not just about giving. If you want to be rewarded for your giving, you must keep your heart right. And that's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly. How many of you know what reluctantly means? Or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I thought about taking up the missions offering after I finished preaching, but I thought, no, they'll feel pressure. Brother Francis raised us not to put pressure on people to give. Let it come from their heart. If they want to give, let them give from their heart. Don't put pressure on them to give. Amen? And verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Amen? Well, let me back up. I miss a part. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In other words, don't give with a bobbin. Don't give like, you know, like you're mad because you got to give. Smile when you give. Amen. He loves a cheer, a hilarious gift. Somebody just gives like, man, I'm just so excited about giving. Boy, you got to work on that attitude, don't you? Instead of like, okay, here you go, you know. And so, verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. How do you get to the place where you have left over? Plant some seed. Don't eat the seed. Plant it. Amen. Matthew 6, 1 says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. In other words, hey, y'all. Hey, look, I'm about to put a check in this bucket right here. Hey, can I get y'all attention? I want to tell you how much this check is. Hello, I'm giving here. He said, don't do that. Just do it humbly. Just, you know, just give it. The Lord knows the amount on it. Come on, are y'all with me? And so he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. Man, you could give and lose your reward. Ouch. Man, you surely don't want to give and lose your reward. You know, if we give and we announce it, we're going to get, that's our reward, telling people. And we get, oh, that's great. There's our reward. Man, I would rather get God's reward. It's going to be better than, oh, man, that's great. How many of you know that? Amen. Okay, so, so you know, I encourage you to start a, a seed bank, a giving fund, and, and start looking for opportunities to give to the needy. You know, you know, you know the, the missions offerings we do here is a great need. You know, what we did last Sunday, man. It's reverberating through our community. You know, we had people come from places outside of our community. Oh, yeah, but they'll never come to our church. Who cares? Who cares if they come to our church? Amen. If they know Jesus loves them, that's what matters right there. Amen. 
But how many of you know we just planted some seed? Amen. We just planted some seed. And listen, remember, it's not the amount that impresses the Lord. It's the sacrifice. You know, there's a remarkable story in Mark 12 where Jesus takes notice about a gift that was given. And I want to read it to you because it's pretty profound. In Mark 12, 41, Jesus sat down. Listen to this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. There's one there, there's one there. Can you all see Jesus sitting next to the temple, next to the collection box? He was sitting next to the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, I think what the Lord's saying is not the amount that really impresses him. It's the sacrifice. It's the heart. It's the compassion. Amen? And I just think it's, it's just, you know, remember, remember Cornelius, the Lord said, hey, your almsgiving has come up to my, has, I've noticed your almsgiving. How many of you know the Lord just don't notice how we lift our hands and how we sing our praise, but he also notices how we use our pocketbook. That's good preaching right there. Come on, are y'all with me? He notices how we use our pocketbook. Why? Because money represents our life. It represents our time. It represents what's so important to us. It represents what we got to live on, that we put our trust in. Amen? And so when we trust Him and we give, it impresses the Lord because He knows what that represents. Y'all receive that today? Amen. It's always tough to talk about giving in church, but it's the blessing that we like. Amen. The second discipline the Lord promises to reward us with, the Lord rewards those who develop the discipline of praying. And he goes on to say in Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. It's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Is that what he said again? He would reward you. So the Lord promises to reward those who develop the discipline of prayer. Why pray? Well, prayer helps you overcome life burdens. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Hey, how many of you know one of the rewards of those who develop the discipline of prayer is a lighter life? Not so burdened down, not so heavy. Come on, are y'all with me? How many of you believe that today? You know, that great hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what needless burdens we bear, or toils. Or, I, can't remember, I can't remember it now. Oh, oh, what needless pains we bear. There you go. All because we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, prayer helps you to enjoy a less stressed life. Bible says in Philippians 4 and 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Mental, spiritual, emotional peace is waiting for those who develop the discipline of prayer. One of the rewards of prayer is a peaceful mind. How many of you know that you could take the best tranquilizer and wake up the next morning full of fear and worry and anxiety? But when God gives you His peace, it transcends understanding. People can understand how you can have peace because the Lord is the Prince of Peace. And when you tap into His Spirit, peace will come over you like a flood. Amen. Prayer helps you experience the Lord's supernatural provision. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. How many of you know financial breakthroughs are awaiting those who pray? Relational breakthroughs are awaiting those who pray. Divine guidance are awaiting those who pray. Supernatural ministry doors of opportunity are awaiting those who pray. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Jesus said, go into your secret place and talk to your father. And he's going to reward you, not in secret, but he'll reward you openly. God will reward you openly. Do you all believe this today? So the question, how many of you struggle when it comes to prayer? I do. How many else? How many besides me? Only about 10 of us. Wow. Man, I thought it would be more. So, you know, I want to encourage you to learn to pray. See, I don't know how to pray. Hey, listen, you don't really need to say anything. If you would just get by yourself, close your eyes, shut your door. Turn the TV off, the phone off, the computer off. Turn off all the noise. Get by yourself. Get in a place of silence. Close your eyes. And just think about the Lord. You're going to receive benefit. And I think that what's going to happen is something's going to come over you and you're going to have to talk to the Lord. And before you know it, you're going to be praying and you're going to go, I just prayed. Amen. In fact, you might pray in your mind a while, and then it's going to translate into words. Because when, this, when you just get alone for, with God for the purpose of communing with God, God said He would never leave us, never forsake us. He would be there for us. And He says, if you wait on me, I'm going to, if you draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. If you wait for me, I'm going to be there. Amen? And so we need to take some time, and I want to encourage you to make a, just begin to log, make a tally of your prayer time in a week. And just, just you tally your prayer life and say, let me see how much I pray this week. I was, I was convicted whenever I did that. I said, man, if the church is waiting for me to lead them, I got to up the ante here. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, to just tally your prayer life. See how much time you made in your week for God. And if you get to the end of the week and you don't have much to put on your tally, then don't condemn yourself. Start right there. Say, you know what? I have zero minutes on my tally. If I spend one minute with God next week, I'm going to be doing a whole lot more than I'm doing now. Come on, are y'all with me? And I just want to encourage you Don't be a prayerless Christian. I don't know how else to translate this. 
I don't know how else to tell you, but I'm telling you with every fiber in my being, don't be a prayerless Christian. There's too much left on the table when you don't connect with your God. You don't have to pray to go to heaven, but you get the great benefit and reward of praying. Amen. Amen. Are y'all with me? Do you receive this today? Amen. Store it where you're at. And I promise you, you, you start praying 15 minutes a day. It will transform your life. It will transform your life. It will transform your life. The third discipline the Lord promises to reward. The Lord rewards those who develop the discipline of fasting. Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheaved, disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that it's only the reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then the one who notice that you are fasting, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Your Father who sees in private will reward you. You know, fasting... Why fast? It increases the possibility of spiritual breakthrough. Remember the, the father who had the son that was demon-possessed? He brought him to the disciples and said, Man, can you help my son? I mean, look at the condition he's in. And he, they prayed, nothing happened. So he brought him to Jesus and, Jesus, look, my son, could you help? And Jesus, you know, took care of business. And so they said, the disciples said, Jesus, how come we couldn't help this boy? And Jesus said in Mark 9, verse 29, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Fasting helps you experience breakthroughs from strongholds, from bondages. Fasting releases spiritual power in your life. Fasting will also help you live a spirit-controlled life. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. You know, Adam and Eve, they lost their position of blessing because they couldn't control their flesh. You know, Esau lost his, his firstborn birthright, which meant double. He lost that because he couldn't control his appetite. How many of you know that if you don't have your flesh in control, it's going to take you down the river and it'll rob you of the inheritance God has for you. So why does God say, does God, you know, take pleasure in, in causing people torment? Fast, fast. Don't eat. Yeah, don't eat. Are you kidding me? Why would you do that to me, Lord? I thought you loved me. I thought you were pleased when I'm full. And he says, well, I'm pleased when you can be led by my spirit and you don't get overcome by your flesh. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man that reaps, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Fasting helps us walk in humility. 
In Psalm 35, 13, David said, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. Fasting brings humility, and humility brings God's abundant grace. And God's grace is that undeserved empowerment that we need to just to, to, to go beyond our own ability to do supernatural things. Amen? And 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up. Humility causes God to lift you up. And fasting brings humility. No wonder then why God would say, you need to fast. Because he knows fasting brings humility. And humility brings you in a position where you can receive more grace. And the best place to live is full of the grace of God. Amen. Isn't that right, saints of God? Amen. So I encourage you. Fast, you know, one meal, you know, your flesh doesn't want to. I I hate fasting. I hate it. But I love the benefit. So I'm, I'm willing to occasionally tolerate it for the benefit. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so, you know, fasting is, you know, one meal. You know, if you eat three meals a day, miss a meal. Fast breakfast. I mean, you can be ready for lunch. I mean, your flesh is going to be like watching the clock big time. Amen. But you know what? You know, fasting is like being, you know, where the Bible says pray without ceasing. I think fasting is like praying without ceasing when you're not eating for spiritual reasons not to lose weight. Right? Right? I mean, you can fast to lose weight and you're not going to receive any spiritual benefit from that. And and then again, maybe you will. But you know what I'm talking about. When you fast for the benefit of drawing closer to God and to receive from God, it's like being in a constant state of prayer because you're just like you're you're thinking about the Lord a lot, right? Lord, now why am I doing this? Now, now, what's the reason I'm doing this? Now, tell me again, Lord. You'll be talking to the Lord all the time. Your stomach is grumbling, right? But it's it's just it's it's a it's a discipline that God promises. That he will reward. God rewards those who fast. So I encourage you to start with a meal. Whenever we have a time of prayer and fasting, I encourage you to join in. You know, we had this, uh, we had this, this uh, night of worship. It was tremendous. It was a powerful time. And, and one of the guys that was leading, uh, you know, told me after, he said, man, he said, you know, I've been in a lot of churches. And he said, I sense the presence of God, like the presence of God dwells here. It's like, well, man, that's encouraging. That's encouraging to hear. But you know, whenever I think about if that is true, my gut is the only reason why that would be true. It's because we take the time to fast and pray, asking for God's blessing and presence on the house. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so I'm saying, if you'll do that at your house, you're going to have the blessing and presence of God on your house. If you'll do that in your life, you'll have the blessing of God's presence on your life. And you won't need a dog and pony show to excite you for the Lord. You'll take very little to get you fired up about Jesus because the fire of God will be on your life, burning inside your heart. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Yes, amen. 
The fire of the Lord. That's the best place to live. Amen. Y'all receive that today? The life that God rewards. Does he reward everybody? Well, you know, everybody that gives their life are rewarded with eternal life. And I know God blesses the wicked sometimes. And he says that. It rains on the just and the unjust. There's blessings that come on wicked people. But in the kingdom of God, in the for the children of God, God has a full reward for us. And the more ordinances and principles and precepts that we learn and we tap into, the greater the level of blessing. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought of it like this. Listen, some of us, we're natural givers and we give. We don't have a problem giving. Some of us have a problem giving. Oh, we'll do, we'll pray and, and we'll fast, but uh, we ain't giving. That's a weakness. But you know, those who tap into the blessing of giving to the needy, they get blessed with the Father's reward and their cup gets filled. Now, That's great to be a giver. But some of us can live with just that blessing right there by being a giver. But the Lord says, hey, if you would like to increase your cup of favor and blessing, why don't you try prayer? Prayer will increase your cup and give you more blessing. And so why don't you just develop the habit and the discipline of prayer And what you're going to do is you're going to get a greater blessing in your life. You can live with just being a giver, but if you be a giver and a prayer, you're going to have a more favored, blessed life. And then fasting, man, I think I'm just going to live like this, Todd. This is good right here. I mean, it ain't empty, is it? So praise the Lord, brother. I mean, I got some blessing. And he says, hey, if you want a greater blessing, tap into the discipline of fasting. You want to be blessed. Don't let your stomach and your appetite tell you what to do. Fast. And I'll reward you. I want to ask you today, which one of these three is your Achilles heel? You know, I got this thought. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are the three enemies of our souls. The three big sins. And I got to thinking about it. Wow, you know, giving comes against the lust of the eyes, covetousness, and greed. You know, when I thought about, you know, you know, prayer, you know, prayer tackles, you know, the, the lust of the flesh. It gets us to tap into the Spirit of God where we walk in the Spirit of God's strength and not the Spirit of the flesh. And then when we fast, it humbles our soul. It lays an axe to the root of pride. And I thought, wow, the three disciplines deal with the three big problems that you and I struggle with the most in our life. Greed, covetousness, the lust of the flesh, you know, the, 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 you know, just want everything you see and what you're not supposed to have. And then the pride of life that cuts us off and causes God to stand in opposition to us. So when God said, listen, my children, tap into these disciplines. If you want to build your house on the rock, tap into these disciplines. And I want to encourage you by telling you that 
The Father is going to reward you when you do this. The life God rewards is the life that follow the ordinances of God. The more that we learn and we apply to our life, the greater our cup. Amen? You receive that today? Why don't you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Father, I pray that today that you would release your grace over this place. Pray that you'd release your spirit over this place. When we talk about these disciplines, we realize that unless you give us power and give us strength, there's no way that we can we can do them. We need your help. Lord, I need your help. Even knowing this truth, it's still a challenge to practice it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. How many of you feel like you need help today? You need help with this. You need help to, to practice these truths. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would release the strength of your Spirit on each and every one of us, Father God. And I pray that you just give us the motivation that you would inspire us, Lord, to be able to do these things, Lord. That we would live a life of discipline. We would live a life of, 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 of surrender to you, Lord. Surrender it to your teachings, to your ordinances, to your laws and precepts, God. And we would walk in the power of them, Lord, so that we could live an abundant, overflowing, filled life of God's goodness and God's grace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, with your, with your heads bowed for just a moment, I want to just make an appeal for people that have never surrendered and never given their life to Christ. You know, there's no way that you could ever do this until God first washes your heart, washes your life. You know, God wants to save your soul. He wants to give you eternal life. And He's knocking on the door of your heart today. And He's saying, listen, there's a better life. There's a better way. And if you will surrender to me and you will trust me with your life, I will give you the life that you've never had without me. You might be at that place today. And I want to pray for you. Because God wants to bless you with His abundant presence and spirit. If that's you, just raise your hand so I can see it. And I want to pray a special prayer for you. I want to pray for God to just touch your heart, touch your life. Just raise it high so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. The life God rewards. Listen, the life God rewards. Listen, I don't know where you are right now, but I know this, that your life can start an upward an upward trend of blessing as you surrender your life to God. He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Amen? Do y'all believe in God? Do y'all believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe in that? Do you believe in that? The Bible says that if you believe in Him, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, that He died for your sins, and you're willing to confess Him, then you can be saved. So let's pray together. Just bow your head. And just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, confess him. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. And that you died for my sins. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. To cleanse my heart. To wash my sins away. This day, 
I commit my life to you. And I ask you, Lord, to give me the power. Give me the strength to live for you. I commit to you. I surrender to you. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Now listen, the Bible says, the Bible says that to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. So if you died today, where would you go? Heaven. Why? Because you're such a good person? No, because Jesus forgave your sins, right? Amen. Amen. How about it? Come on, you ready to tap in? Come on, how many of you want more from the Lord? You want more? How many of you are hungry for more? Come on, let's ask God for more. Father, thank you for more. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you, Lord, for releasing us, Lord, in the abundant life today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.